Welcome to episode 53 of the Barman and Bevo podcast. We got uh, a lot to cover tonight. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a very long episode, but um, we're going to start out with uh, Mike Barman. Are you trying to use use irony already? You're you're already discounting. You said we have a lot to cover, but it's going to be a short show. Well, it's a lot to cover in cycling and not a lot else. (laughs) Um, We have plenty to talk about us. We got... How many questions did we get from Ask Barman and Bebo? Quality questions, too. At, at least four. Wow. I mean, we had one rollover from last week and then three three or four today. <coughs> Pretty so, solid. Yeah. Um, I'm here with my co-host, Mike Barman, as usual. Um, my name is first. Yes. It's Barman and Bebo. You're still my co-host. <laughs> <laughs> I still do all the heavy lifting. <laughs> Um, do you want to start with Port or do you want to start with Volta? Well, let's start with Richie Port. Okay. Um, I hope he's okay. I hope he hasn't crashed yet. Is he still in the race? I hope he didn't stub his toe on the bed and wasn't able wasn't able to proceed any longer. Um, if I remember correctly, he missed the team presentation on Friday. Uh, correct. And because of gastritis. Uh, yeah, having the having the yeah, the shits the, the shites <laughs> is, that, is that how you say it politically correct? Um, and <laughs> it coincided pretty. Um, didn't it coincide with his contract signing? Yes, the day like the day after. There's uh, going to, you know, TJ Van Garderen thought he was going to get to do the wealth of this year, and then mysteriously when Port. Did the Vuelta. Um, Van Garderen did not. Right. So there's some there's some stuff going in there. Um, we I, I went back and re-listened to the episode we just did a couple days ago. Um, I had some time on the weekend driving up to Charlotte and back. Um, so I, I thought I'd give it a listen. Um, we set the over-under at, I think... Somewhere between 10 and 15 stages. Yeah, and number one, number one, Barman and Bebo, one of seven <coughs> Twitter handle handle uh, owners uh, felt like we were uh, in a safe play uh, with that with that number. Anything to be controversial. <laughs> I think he agreed with us. Yeah. Well, I mean, the guy hasn't finished a major tour in three years. He gets paid. He gets paid like he's one. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it's it's just at this point, uh, I don't even consider him a contender. I, he well, he obviously proved he wasn't, and he he tried. Well, <clears throat> it, it's difficult for me for a team leader, um, and he wants everyone to ride so hard for him at the Tour de France to come into the Vuelta, skip the team presentation. And uh, because because you have the skirts, and then um, and and then and then, and then tell everyone that you you aren't here for the uh, you aren't here for the for the overall. 
when you don't know if you're not here for the overall until you're not there for the overall, not before the beginning of the race. You actually, you have to give it some time. It's, it's really bizarre. Here's the issue. With, with what I saw Brick posted the other day, um, how is that bike legal? <laughs> with the roll cage on it? With the roll cage on it. <laughs> You know, that can't be legal in the Peloton. Pretty funny stuff. Uh, I really mean, whoever whoever thought that up, well done. That, that was... That was a fun stitches. one. It would have been better sure, if they usually threw... Usually I've some pretty good ones. would have been better if they threw some training wheels on there, too. Oh, man. <laughs> he deserves... Yeah, he deserves every bit of it until he proves otherwise. Um, do you, I, If I remember correctly, I read after stage two, he's already out of it. Yeah, he lost 13 minutes Jesus. on the... Um, even more detrimental to team morale is Rohan Dennis, uh, also lost the same amount of time. And Joey Roscoff was trying to help him, uh, go back to the front to close the gap, to get back to the leaders. And he was just uninterested in doing it. Well, he's on his way out too, right? Yeah. He's going to Baron, uh, Merida. Merida. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's dive in here to the stages. Um, the, I'm assuming this wasn't a stage one. It was a prologue or was it stage one? It was stage one because uh, it was over eight Ks. It was actually a stage and not a prologue. Okay. Um, your winner is Dennis from Team BMC. Yep, Ron Dennis won by a couple seconds, six, five or six seconds over Kwiatkowski. Um, it looked like Dylan Van Barl was out early, uh, but then was beat up. Beat out by Kwiatkowski, be out by Dennis and right. a couple other people. Um, I didn't know you were such a DeBall fan. I'm not. I'm just reading the. I'm reading through the, the recap. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first sentence. <laughs> oh, he's my favorite by far. My favorite of all the Sky Riders. You said it. You said it with the enthusiasm of heading into work Monday morning at seven a.m. <laughs> <laughs> Got to keep it professional, Barman. <laughs> Oh, yes. I'd love to meet you at 7.30 in the morning on Monday. That'd Sounds great. Fantastic. See you there. Uh, Aranza- oh, you don't want to buy anything? Oh, that's too bad. Thank you for bringing me in at 7.30. <laughs> Aranz looked like he had a good ride. Well, they, the EF uh, Draypok team really needs the points for a top 10 overall. Um, and that's what Aran gets paid to do. And, you know... Unlike Richie Port, Iran has a lot more pride and takes uh, takes his job more professionally. Well, and, and you know, I think it's um, a product of the team. You know, the uh, well, team, team pro- not necessarily just the team, but a product of him being the team leader and him wanting to be a and good taking example. pride in that role. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Most most of those Latin American riders are very proud and, and, and take it pretty seriously. I mean, much more Euro style as far as uh, morale and team yeah. leadership and that than than the um, than the the old Commonwealth uh, countries of Australia, New Zealand, GB, um, and the United States, Canada, and even even Mexico. Looks like Valverde put in a pretty solid time too. Oh yeah, well he ended, he looks really thin. And uh, he ended up winning um, the uh, the next stage. So, uh, all right. So let's let's Are we not supposed to talk about that. Are we saving it? No, no. That's a perfect segue, Mike. So, oh, let's, okay. let, let's dive I right in. Let's I dive, do that a lot. I dive right lot. into stage two. It's almost like I have notes in front of me on the computer screen, and I can just. 
Well, there are no notes for the Volta coverage. <laughs> it just says Volta coverage. <laughs> That's good. Um, so Valverde wins stage two. Um, Kwiatkowski right behind him? Yeah, they, uh, uh, Valverde outsprinted him for the line. There's it looks good, like you got a quick team. step rider in third, too. Uh, the quick step rider attacked Valverde, bridged across with the uh, quick house on his wheel, and then they uh, ended up dropping him. But he, uh, <clears throat> um, Lorenz de Plou. another one of your favorites. I don't know if I've pronounced that correctly, uh, but I tried, the, we I tried real the hard. Enthusiasm and the confidence in which you said it. That <laughs> I tried real hard. <laughs> We're trying not to upset any nationalities currently. It looks like this might have been like a slightly uphill finish. Yeah, it was it was semi-mountainous. The whole stage was rolling. Spain is is very rolling. Yeah, it says it typically is a flat stage, but not to, not that day. So, well, like we talk about for the Tour de France, sometimes um, they want cities or people to pay to have the mountains. Uh, classified a certain way, and if they don't choose to pay, or they, just don't, they don't want to have too many mountain classifications for points, it just ends up being not a mountain, but it is physically a mountain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is kind of odd. But keep going through this list of, of the riders and where they finished. It's a solid field. Oh, yeah. It's a really good... I mean, you're just missing... You're just missing a couple key riders from the tour. Everybody else is... I mean, Jesus. I, it's just like a who's who. Well, all, all three Grand Tours were very well uh, represented this year. Um, I think the Grand Tours are kind of getting it together as far as um, uh, wanting to attract or putting on programs that uh, that work for everyone. Um, and so, you know, if, if you got sick or you weren't going well at either the Giro or the Tour de France, the Volta is a great opportunity for you to try to make it back up. I think, it's, I think that's uh, really what... Um, you know, life's all about uh, other opportunities through <clears throat> through your through your time. And I mean, if, if I just story. if I look at the top twenty here: Valverde, Kwiatkowski, Bennett, Gallopin, Iran, Quintana, Pino, Haig, Kreuswick, Is Isagari, uh, Aru, Micah, yeah, I put it at A minus. I put it at A minus B plus. This is Nicholas Roach. Yeah, really, you're just missing Demoulin, yeah, um, uh, uh, Chris Froome, and uh, Garrett Thomas. And so, um, did you see? Did you see Dumoulin's comments uh, the other day about being a zombie? No, I must have missed. I, I flip. I must have seen it maybe this morning or yesterday. He. Um, was somebody, he watching The Walking Dead? No, some no. Somebody interviewed him and said, "How are you feeling?" He's like, "You know, the first two weeks after the stage, I really felt like just a zombie walking around, like it just oh, kind of out of it." Well, the other side of doing a grand tour is is you wake up in the morning, you have coffee, you have breakfast, you go to race your bike. When you're done racing your bike, you you go back to the bus, you get a shower, so everything's really programmed, and that's really. That support for three weeks is really what helps riders become better, um, and doing it multiple times through your through your career. So when that process stops and you have to take care of yourself again, sometimes you forget how hard life is, and 
Um, for some of these riders, you know, they're they're at that age where they're starting new families or um, they're trying to spend some sort of time with their loved ones, uh, either in Europe or in the United States. And, you know, the travel process and, and getting done has got to be has got to just be just annihilate you. Well, well, but not only that, I mean, I certainly agree with you on a lot of that. You know, you see a lot of ex-professional athletes they're, you know, they retire and they're just, you know, like a baseball player or a hockey player, guys that are at it for nine months out of the year, where yeah. it's, I show up at the field or I go to the rink in the morning for morning skate. I come home, I take a nap and then I go back, you know, they, they've got this like almost like military type routine that they go through. Um, well, that's how you get, that's how you get better at anything. Sure. But, you know, and, and they do it for, they do it for 20 plus years. But I think the other thing that – just think about the amount of like calories burned and energy spent in that three weeks to finish that race. Just just to finish it, you know. And, and, right. And just going from, hey, everything's scheduled and I'm programmed to eat a certain amount of food to get through the day. I'm, I'm programmed to eat during certain points during the day to get through that stage and, and then – then at night it's all about recovery and being ready for the next day. And then it, you kind of just, you sure you're going to go out and ride and train, but you're probably not going to ride the same way you did those three weeks. Right. Or you're going to, you're going to teeter off. Like you might continue on a, a, a similar path, but as, as the weeks go after, after you get done with the race, it, it kind of slowly peters off or scales down into, to a normal training cycle. Right, exactly. <clears throat> but that, I mean, that's, it's just insane what those guys put themselves through for three weeks. But the ultimate prize, I mean, it, it, I guess, you know, it's one of those things where the juice is worth a squeeze. Right. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's immortality. Is the juice loose? What is OJ doing these days? He's playing golf somewhere. Probably, I, I'll probably see him in Orlando. <laughs> I don't think you're going to that kind of convention. <laughs> We're going to go steal his Heisman back. Good idea. That's, um, never, that's never gone wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah. He got he got out like a couple months ago. Um, stage three. It looks like we got a quick step winner. Well, Viviani, Viviani won a uh, good sprint. Uh, I love that jersey. Oh, that that classic Italian champions jersey is... Well, Todd Todd Muller at the Reality Bikes and I were speaking about that. When it's we a thing of beauty at the shop, and it's uh, like the old uh, Bugno jersey from the yep. from the from the early '90s. Very classy and uh, works really well. So it's uh, uh, Viviani had a nice sprint. Uh, no one else really had uh, much to uh, much to race. Sagan, I think, got third or fourth. Um, just didn't have the speed that Viviani had. Sagan so. third, Nizolo uh, of Trek second. Uh, Buani fourth. So a nice solid sprint. Yeah, de- decent sprinters in this as well. I mean, only a few missing. Yeah, well, with um, for anybody that for any sprinters that missed the tour or got sick, really the only opportunity for them. There aren't a whole lot of flat uh, single day races to be had. Um, and if you want to make your country's team national team on a hilly state on a hilly um race like this then you're going to have to um you really need to um uh 
prepare by doing the Volta. And so for Viviani, maybe he does want to represent Italy, not as a, as the lead rider, but maybe he wants to go and put in his work and represent his country, which I, I uh, applaud. Stage four today, a good day for USA Cycling, I'd say. I don't think Ben King's from the United States, is he? Yes. Oh, is he? Ben King, USA, Dimension Data. Oh, wow. Yeah, Ben King uh, was on um, was on the Garmin teams and that trying to win a stage. Uh, he's actually uh, been a, he's a great alumnus of the Hot Tubes team. Um, they're based out of the Northeast, but they do uh, winter sometimes in the spring and in the fall and come down to the uh, greater Atlanta area, Dahlonega specifically, and uh, ride down there. So congratulations! It was uh, he uh, made the break and then um, from the break was able to uh, survive the climb and. Almost got the red jersey. I think he missed by a minute and eight seconds or so, but uh, won the stage. <clears throat> Unfortunately for Pierre Roland, I'm not exactly sure how he missed Ben King going, but he did. And uh, would chase back and then just missed him at the uh, as the finish line, caught him with 1K to go, or got within a couple of seconds of 1K to go, and then Ben King turned it on and finally won a stage. So congratulations. Uh, your leader through four days of the Welta. Michael Kwiatkowski of Team Sky. Uh, Emmanuel Buchanan in second. Simon Yates in third. Valverde fourth. Kelderman fifth. How do you see this thing shaking out? I'm not sure if Kwiatkowski can climb well enough um, with those guys. Uh, you know, Adam Yates once again attacks to get time on people. You mean Simon Yates? Sorry, Simon Yates attacks to get time on people just like he did at the Giro. Uh, not understanding or trying to maintain um, uh, maybe he shouldn't use that energy uh, so that he has more towards the end of the race so he's not dug so deep because um, I hate to see him uh, get to the final week uh, in, the, in the top three and then just go to be 11th or 12th again uh, like he did at the Giro. So I think he really needs to control what he does. Do you see this story about the Irish aqua blue team? Yeah, I did. Uh, really, really sad. Um, but as a um, as a team manager and a race promoter, there's times where people offer you an opportunity and you don't have the fundage, but you go ahead and say that this is the best opportunity for my riders and my team. And unfortunately, they didn't. Uh, they they played their hand and they lost. And so it sounds like they're planning on using the deposit that they have with the UCI to finish paying the riders at the end of the year. And and they stopped the racing program altogether, which is. Sad in a lot of respects, you know, hats off to them for trying and, and putting together a team. And they actually did do the Vuelta España and uh, went a stage, I believe, uh, either last year or the year before. Um, uh, but unfortunately, uh, you know, sometimes you sometimes you go all in and, and, you, and you get cashed out by somebody else. So, um, Do you want to talk about Brian Drebber? Uh, Would you prefer um, not to? Uh, well, I, um, you know, I wouldn't necessarily call Brian Drebber a friend. I have shook his hand. I've spoke with him before in the past. Um, uh, and, uh, with him, I have had, uh, conver uh, email conversations with him about, uh, coming down to the velodrome and announcing or just coming down and watching and participating in, in some of that. Um, uh, you know, when was it speed vision? Originally, he got a contract with Speed Vision, uh, which it was purchased by Turner, but Speed Vision was based in Atlanta. I think that's what brought him down. 
and um, he had, I think he had like a small farm or a little ranch uh, up in ball ground, Georgia, and used to uh, drive into work from there. And um, I tried really hard to, uh, to have him come down uh, and, and watch some racing. So, you know, if you watch, um, if you watch American flyers or some of the older cycling films, uh, usually Brian Drebber is the announcer in those. He kind of, he was a racer, uh, was a very, was a rather good national level racer out of T town, in the late seventies, but found, uh, that his calling was more announcing, uh, and kind of moved to motorcycles away from bicycles in the nineties and, um, only came back, uh, occasionally. So a very, very sad story. I guess it involves his motorcycle and heading to the airport and, uh, a deer. Um, yep. but not, um, if you, uh, if you go on Facebook and you look for Brian Dreber, uh, Brian, Brian Dreber, uh, his daughter has, uh, posted, um, uh, some great uh, information about the family and how they're feeling and um, those kind of uh, paying your respects. Um, anything else that we need to talk about that's going on in the cycling world? Uh, we Well, we do have the pro race coming up at the Velodrome. Yes. Uh, it is a holiday weekend, but um, uh, uh, we are, we are racing. Um, you know, it's hard to pick a weekend in the fall that, that works for everyone. Uh, and so, uh, we do have the collegiate racing on Monday. Uh, any record attempts would be Sunday. We have our pro race, the Velodrome cup, which is a very unique format that we've come up with on Saturday. And then we do have the need for speed sprints on Friday night. And then also coming up, spin the district. Uh, yeah, the Velodrome, September 21st, Hateville, the 22nd and, uh, college park, the 23rd, hoping to get you to come down. Uh, hopefully you can come down maybe for the Velodrome race might be the easiest for you and your family, but uh love to have you. Yeah. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll see what, uh, what shakes out. Of, uh, Jesse uh, Koyster has already, uh, already said he was coming. Uh, hopefully we can get Nick Luther. Maybe we can all go grab a beer sometime. That'd be great. Um, anything else? Do you need to plug any of the uh, college races? How'd the first weekend go? Uh, sounded like it went rather well. Unfortunately, I wasn't uh, able to make it out. I had some prior commitments. But, uh, team always does well. Uh, then they were out at Conyers, uh, which is the 1996 Olympic track. Uh, looking from some of the videos, they did do some of the granite side, which we've been trying to do for a while. Uh, so hats off to the team for representing that way and uh, and trying to keep a, a little bit of the history of the Atlanta area and the mountain biking and, and uh, representing it in a collegiate way. Uh, Atlanta United. Andy Bailey doesn't like it when you do the clicking sounds. I had to type something in. Oh, okay. Sorry, Andy. We'll try to do better next time. <laughs> um, Atlanta United. Did you catch? I think I was texting you during the game. But you uh, might have no, been I was busy at job. Something I else. was at job. I was at job too. Yeah. On, um, on Friday night. Uh, that was also when your tire was going down. Um, yes and you were going to murder someone and I was trying to make sure it wasn't me. Yes. And so, <laughs> well, I thought, I thought the shop closed at seven on Friday. Oh, were you up there? Like physically at the well, shop? I said, Jess, order a pizza for Marie's. I'll go pick it up. And I'll, hopefully oh. the shop's still open. And when I texted you, it was like, I was hoping maybe like, I saw the shop was closed. I'm hoping maybe like Todd or Franklin was still around. Right. Well, sometimes even on Saturday, I'm around after five o'clock, uh, getting a nap or right. finishing up stuff before I go to job number two. So. Right. So I thought somebody might be there, and I knew best case scenario, I could at least get my tire, my other wheel. 
Yes. Um, which you kindly dropped off, which I appreciate. Um, well, you did say you were going to murder someone then. I was, I was having, having a, I was having just a shit week. Okay. Well, <laughs> I was trying to make sure it wasn't me. So yes, I dropped the, uh, dropped the wheel off at your house at about one o'clock in the morning. And, <laughs> but it was, it was appreciated because I got a nice ride in and it was the best the bike has been in a while. Yeah. The, those chain rings, I think are exactly what you needed and, uh, got the bottom bracket sorted out. You aren't a, uh, you aren't light on the crank arm. Um, uh, no matter what Andy Bailey says, says <laughs> about what chain rings you need. I mean, in the in the past three years, you've seen me break a crank. Yes. Snap a pedal clean off. Yes. Uh, now you've <laughs> seen me bend the spokes or the the teeth the, outward. The teeth of your of your chain ring outward. Yes. Um, on a bike that's only three years old. <laughs> I wouldn't call you supple. No. Maybe my butt, but not, not, nothing else. <laughs> Firm yet supple. I don't know how you get into pigeon pose the way you do, but it's. I wouldn't call you supple on the on the bike. Scott Patton, hashtag firm yet supple. <laughs> um. All right, Atlanta United. Uh, Saturday. There's more cottage cheese back here than the. There's no than cottage the cheese back there, <laughs> Solid. Solid like a rock. Um, Atlanta United played Saturday night. I was for sure thinking it was going to be a two goal spread for the, for the five stripes. I was pleasant, pleasantly surprised when I saw half a goal. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I wonder why that, well, playing in Orlando? In Orlando road game, even though they'd won once in the last 15, it was odd. I just don't think Vegas knows how to, to, to the spreads there. Well, maybe they're trying to get some action on that. You never maybe. Um, so uh, that maybe, was maybe, the that was maybe the they guy. have a sixteen-year-old picking the line, uh, the grandfather of the of the of the bookie. That was the uh, bet with Bevo for last week. So Bevo rolls again, eight zero and two on the year. Uh, just betting soccer, but we'll we'll get that we'll get Bevo brought back down to earth when we start betting on college football. <laughs> you don't have to switch off of what's working. The soccer. Well, I, I was telling Drew. I I got Drew. Drew bet on the game. Like it, Drew, Drew money or like Drew, our money. Drew, Drew put forty bucks on the game. Whoa, that's pretty big money for Drew. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> on oh, soccer? we might we might be able to get him on the show soon. Oh, is he not working? He's leaving his position in oh. the next week or two. So. His uh, media blackout well, is. We all know Lauren would be a thousand percent more interesting than Drew. Than Drew so you you can't get her to sit down for five minutes. So that's the problem. We can get we can just give her a a, a, a Bluetooth headset. Yeah, but she she's all over the place. Um, all right, so Atlanta. You know wins. I'm right. Atlanta gets out to a one nothing lead, um, mid first half. It was kind of a sloppy game. Um, Orlando was playing defense and just trying to kind of not get blown out. Um, they do end up scoring and tying it before the half. So I think we went into the halftime one, one, um, about the 70th minute ish. Uh, it finally, there was a barrage of shots and Atlanta was really pressing hard on Orlando. Um, and, it was just shot after shot, and, I'm, and I was actually getting 
texts from people saying, hey, this game's not going the way you said it was. And I said, they're about to score. Trust me, it's going to happen. And then sure enough, five minutes later, Joseph Martinez gets the big goal to set the record for um, most goals in a single season by an MLS player. He, he is now at the top of that list with, I believe, 28. Um, he beat two guys, chipped it over the goalie. It was unbelievable. Um, great goal for him. Great way to get the game-winning goal. He set another record with that goal. So now he holds the record for single-season goals and uh, sing- goals in a single season. He holds the record for most hat tricks in the MLS, and now he holds the I believe he tied or beat the record for most game-winning goals with eight. Um, Atlanta gets the two-one win. Um, at times it was sloppy. Um, they just weren't catching the breaks on the on the shots. They were getting plenty of shots. They just weren't going in. And they, they finally scored that goal with, I don't know, like 15, 20 minutes left. And that was kind of – Orlando was done at that point. So, um, Playing with no passion? No. You know, to lose 2-1 after lo- – I think they've, they've been beaten twice by us, like 4 nothing and 3 nothing or 3-1. Well, it is rivalry week, so they try to pick games, right? And, um, yeah, it was rivalry week because uh, you got right after that game was the two LA teams playing. I think both New York New York teams played on Wednesday. Yep. Um, who else is rivalry? Uh, you know, the, the MLS is so new to both of us, just that we don't know. <laughs> well, I'm thinking like maybe Seattle and Great Salt Lake. No, it'd be Seattle and um, Portland are rivals. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I would think Real is Real Salt Lake's maybe rivals with Colorado. Yeah, I was gonna say Colorado or Chicago, but I, I'm not, again not 100% positive on that. Um, all right, so next game is Sunday. We get to see uh Wayne Rooney and DC United. Uh, where Atlanta's traveling up there. Um, again, most the, the remainder that I think there's one home game left, there's, there's the next four on the road. Um, and then what do they have nine, nine games left? There's nine games left. Um, I th- I would think at this point they're probably close to um, clinching for a playoff berth. Um, but who knows? They are at the top of the standings again with 54 points. I think they got two points on New York Red Bulls. Um, did you see the Wayne Rooney pass a couple weeks ago? Yes. Your, I want your thoughts. My thoughts? Yes. Yeah. Well, I thought it was excellent. It was really neat. Well, I thought for sure you would have said something about the play that Rooney made to make that pass is what made that play so great. Well, yeah. The hustle. Yeah. Well, coming he, back on the ball like that. Corner. Going, from, so one end, going I, from one end to the other. I posted it on our Twitter page last week or the week before when I saw it. And I, I To me, it's the goal of the year. Just because the whole sequence of plays there, the whole like minute of uh, or forty five seconds that it, it it happened, it was unbelievable. There's a corner kick by DC United. The ball gets cleared out, and it's gonna. It looks like it's gonna be a two on one with no goalie. Right. And Wayne Rooney, you know, I give the guy a ton of credit for hustling back on this play, making a clean tackle. 
stealing the ball because basically the opposing team had an empty net to shoot at for midfield and it was game's over. Instead, he, he makes a great play at midfield, tackles the guy, picks the ball up, takes about three steps with the ball, and then throws this miracle Hail Mary pass into the 18-yard box. And one of his own teammates gets it and, and finishes. And it's just that. Right. And that put him to win, I believe, in the 95th or 96th minute. It was impressive. It was un- it was awesome. It was one of the best goals I've seen in the MLS. I'm sorry. One of the best plays I've seen in the MLS. Yes. Um, I caught, I recorded the Juventus Lazio game on Saturday and watched it on Sunday. So that's Syria as um, Ryan Crabby <laughs> likes, likes to give me hell for talking what? about. Why doesn't that sound like, um, why does that sound like a uh, episode of ancient aliens? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, so I watched this game, and it's Cristiano Ronaldo playing in. in it, it, here's what it is: it's Cristiano Ronaldo playing for a team worse than the team in the MLS. Right. It did not look very good. What was that? Nothing. <laughs> um, at, at times it was sloppy. Lazio is not very good. Uh, Juventus didn't look very good. Uh, they did win the game, I believe, three to one, but or three nothing. But it was just a sloppy, sloppy game. I'm going to continue to check out Juventus, but at this point, I think Atlanta United is better to watch. Whoa, 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 whoa! You know we're going to get some pushback. That's why I'm going to, I'm going to stand by. You watched that Juventus Lazio game? It was awful. I'm not watching. That. Why would I waste my time watching two teams that sounds like an ancient aliens episode? <laughs> I thought you said Syria was a George 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 T or whatever is going to come walking walking on onto the stadium and look up to the sky and someone's going to come down and oh. beam, him, beam him up. We haven't talked about this at all. Cooper's treasure is he back? It's oh, the season's over. I never even saw the first episode. <laughs> I saw all seven. Oh really? Did he get any gold? Yes. How much? Um, in the last episode, they found two gold coins. They That's found, it? Well, they, they figured out, they kind of triangulated the shipwreck, but they also found a vial, like one of those, uh, test tubes. They found a bunch of gold dust and they were, they were like from the shipwreck. And right. They, they probably got about that much. Are you looking at me? Yes. About six inches. Uh, that's what you tell people. <laughs> right. Um, but they found a ton of cannons. They found a ton of, they found a ton of stuff because the shipwreck looks like it's all over the place. Did we, did we bet, did we, did we bet on, on who gets more gold? Uh, uh, no, we did. The, I don't believe the janitor, we did. The janitor in the, in the janitor in Muskegon, Michigan, or yeah, I, I think we might've bet on this. We'll have to go back and review the tapes. <laughs> I, no, I think it was who was going to find gold first. I think it was more gold. I think we bet on who was going to. Well, who was, here's the thing. I think the mosquito, the janitor is going to find more gold sooner if it's all <laughs> on that train car. He is not going to find the train car of gold. At he the found it already. He just couldn't dive. It was too late in the season. <laughs> he found it already. He found. I'm sure they filmed it. Here's the thing. 
Had he found it, we would know about it already because it would have showed up in the news. Of course. <laughs> of course. They open the door and it's like Geraldo. Like, this is it? <laughs> um, I just want to drop that in. Uh, any NFL news you want to talk about? Uh, Cleveland Browns look good. Uh, yeah. I'm liking our chances. Week 19. Nine and seven, nine, nine, and, seven nine and seven, ten and six. Problem is, they open up against Pittsburgh. That's that's going to be a telling game for I us. I think it was the day after we recorded last week, where uh, ESPN reported about the amount of money that people are putting on the Browns to win the Super Bowl. Has what brought the, has brought the odds? Has the uh, they've had to move the odds down um, because there's so much action. On on that, it was an ESPN article. I thought I saved, I shared you, it with you. You and I are out ahead of this, way out oh, ahead. Of I this. was, I was way ahead of this. You, way I think you were talking about this in February or March. Yes, of last, uh, right after the Super Bowl. Yeah, when um, actually when when Hugh Jackson got to keep his job um, for for another year, but they they fired the GM, um, and they have all that draft capital. So. Des, Des Bryant was in town last week, this week. He was in Atlanta? No, he was in, in Cleveland. Oh, what does Des Bryant do when he goes to Cleveland? He listens to, uh, what's his, what's the coach's name? Hugh Jackson? Hugh Jackson? He was listening to the coach talk about the culture they're trying to bring to Cleveland. <laughs> and how does Des Bryant fit into the culture of a team? Because we get, you know, they wanted him. And they wanted him bad. But they didn't want him bad enough because he turned down the deal. Wasn't enough money for him. I don't think it. I don't think it would have mattered how much money they offered him. I think. I think I, you know, with him, I think he's hoping that that the Patriots or someone like that have more injuries than they anticipate and end up signing him week three or week four. Yeah, I think he's waiting for somebody to get hurt. Yeah, and somebody's gonna come calling. And I'm sure his agent is advising him on about what to do, when, and where. You know, um, and, and you know, honestly, if the Browns go four and zero, maybe he does sign for that five million. Yeah, well, it's prorated at that point. Well, yeah, <laughs> but it's only four million then. It would have been five million. Um, Ohio State. Any thoughts on this Urban Meyer suspension? Because I'm about, I'm livid about it. Livid about what? That he's only getting three games. Oh, what? Why? Why are they even suspending him three games? He didn't do anything wrong. He no, he knew about this. Yeah, and he reported it to his supervisors. It's like me dating Vanessa. <laughs> <laughs> hey, as long as I told my boss, I was good. I was good because everyone else tried to rat me out. Yeah, but. Okay, so my whole thing is he, he okay, so he did the right thing. He reported it to his supervisors, but he didn't fire the guy. He's the grandson of Earl Bruce. He's not going to fire him. It doesn't matter. To, to Urban Meyer, it does. What? Who's Earl Bruce? The old coach. Who the? I've never heard of him. Yeah, he's a, he's an old football coach. Gave Urban Meyer's. Mm-hmm. Ugh. You know, hey, he's the grandson of that. It's it's very bothersome to me that at this point that we've got 
you know, it started with the Penn State scandal with Paterno and. So you're really gonna you're really gonna put these two these two these I'm, two things. I'm not. In, okay. I'm not. I'm not saying one is well. The Penn State one is much worse than this. You can't. These those two are you. They're two different. Two different. Two different solar systems. Okay. The Michigan State one is just as bad as the Penn State one. Maybe even worse. There's also, well, there's two Ohio State scandals. Well, there's like some wrestling thing that no one heard about until Urban Meyer got himself into trouble. Right. And the guy who was the assistant wrestling coach is the congressman or governor of Ohio. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, but, you know, I feel bad for any victims or whatever. But Of course. If you're trying to report or bring things back to someone on something from 1976 or or the early 80s unfortunately i do believe there's somewhat of a statute of limitations that 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 has to be abided by what are you talking about i think the some of those some of those some of the ohio state stuff goes back to the early 80s or late 70s oh uh, i don't think i think that stuff is more last 10 maybe or 15 not, years maybe it's not maybe it's not ohio state but maybe um there's some other there's some other scandals that they're trying to go back to the early '80s and the '70s and 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 then again they're bringing it up because that person is up for a political office or um, has been um, is seeking is seeking office and they're of a party that the other person doesn't agree with and so do we see the death penalty soon? Stop clicking. You're upsetting Andy Bailey. Sorry, Andy. D- d- the death penalty for Ohio State? No, no, no. I'm asking, oh. do we see it soon? Absolutely not. The NCAA won't be around in two years. They can't. There's no... The Power Five Conference will... Even the NCAA wants to redraw and start over again. And so they're they're going to get help. They're, they're, it, the, the rules will be much clearer in the future. Um, whatever... You know that will the NCAA exist? It won't be called the NCAA. It'll be renamed. It'll probably have the same leader. Um, just the governing, the governing of of the organization will be much clearer and transparent. And the way that it works will be clear and transparent. And just like my ex wife says, sometimes you just need a fresh start. <laughs> um, I I don't disagree with anything you said there. Okay. I do. I do see a, a a rebrand coming. Yeah, but as far as Urban Meyer being getting a three game suspension, that's disgusting. It shows. It just shows how creepy Ohio State actually is. Like, I want to kind of punish this guy, but I really don't want to punish this guy. But I do want to punish this guy, but I really don't want to punish this guy. This is it's bullshit. It, it's not good. It's just. Well, the best, well, you know the best part. The best part for anyone who's had who, you know, with Urban Meyer being in Florida and 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 that is the cool part is everybody knows Urban Meyer can't keep it together. He physically will be incapable of keeping his life together after because he doesn't think he deserves a three game suspension and he's upset about it. And yeah. he's not going to be able to keep it together. And the best thing that can happen to him is the University of Michigan beats him in the final game, and Jim Harbaugh goes to try to shake his hand, and he gives him the the three stooges like whoop. Yeah, I mean, and then Jim Harbaugh punches him, knocks him out in the middle of the field, and says, "You deserved it." 
They've got Oregon State week one, Rutgers week two, and TCU week three. Who cares? I don't give a dang who Ohio State plays. I don't care if they win every game this season. They're losers. Yes. They're a loser university. They're a loser organization. They have a loser coach. And I feel unfortunate for the kids that decided to go to that school um, because hopefully they allow them to leave if they want to. Yeah, it's football has a serious issue with. Well, it really proves what what every academic type of person at a university says is, is football really that important that Urban Meyer should make 10 times the amount of the dean? Highest paid as a state employee in Ohio? Yeah. And it's like, you know, yeah, that money doesn't necessarily come directly from the university because it's paid for by boosters and all that kind of stuff. But in the end, you know, and you know how I feel about college athletics is people should want to represent the university. They shouldn't be uh, about to go into the NFL or the NBA. Those people should be in in pro leagues being trained and for being a pro. And if you want to represent like Ohio the State on the, Yes. And if you want to represent Ohio State on the football field, then you should want to go to school like every other student like every other student at that university. And you should want to participate in other activities besides football. And you should be part of the heritage that 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 that, that school provides. And so for those kids, it's really, really, really sad that they have to that they have to deal with this. Because I mean, how many how many Ohio State players are honestly going to make the NFL? And this year's team eventually maybe ten or twelve or maybe fifteen out of the fifty five or sixty kids they have on scholarship. It's a very small percentage. Very small. That's no, probably higher than that. You think? Yeah, it's probably twenty kids. I would say between twenty and thirty. Scott Patton can look it up, but it's probably it's it'll probably be twelve to fifteen kids for two years, and then maybe six more longer than two years that are at that university right now out of the four years. No, I would I would think like between ten and fifteen get drafted every year, and then two years later, no, a program like Ohio State, ten to fifteen kids get drafted every year. Right, not all of them make their teams. No, but. Most of them do. So that's why I, that's why I drew the two year line. Yeah. Out of that out of that two year, there's probably only three or four of those kids per per draft. That's what I was trying to say. That that make it more than two years in the NFL. All right. Ask Barman and Bevo. We'll go with Chuck Walter first since he got in late last time. Does Barman still have his leather cowboy hat? I used to have a nice leather cowboy hat. When? Probably 1990, okay. 1991. Um, Is this when you were riding professionally? Uh, gypsy style. I was yeah. still a, I was still j- just becoming a cat. That would just be just becoming a cat too. It's very similar to the um, like the hat that Richie Sambora for Bon Jovi wore with like the little silver buckles around the outside. Quit laughing. That's Don't be awesome. I cannot be, see you in that hat. Don't be jealous with my ponytail. We didn't have we didn't have camera phones, so not everything got do- not everything got documented uh, like the like the kids today. Thank God. <laughs> I did show I did show Barman my high school senior picture <laughs> right before we came on the air, and he goes, "Who the hell is that? <laughs> Who is that?" <laughs> um, 
Do you have the hat still or no? I do not have the hat. My brother might have borrowed it, so it might be at my brother's house somewhere where my cowboy boots are also. So, Oh. I cannot picture you in cowboy boots. But I can't wait to see it. <laughs> I'm not wearing the assless chaps, Mike. I'm, don't, I don't care how many times you ask. They're at the dry cleaners. You can't borrow them. <laughs> All right, Nick Luther. Now, <laughs> I love this. Last time we heard how much Christmas really bothers Barman. It doesn't bother him. He hates it. <laughs> <laughs> Those are two different things. I don't let Christmas get under my skin. The what are your who, three? What the are people your... who try to win Christmas, yes, they bother me. But that doesn't mean they're under my skin. What are your top three pet peeves when dealing with customers, specifically in the food service industry? I thought long and hard about this, and I've got three. You've got three? I do. I probably, I probably have three. You go, you, you do one, and then I'll do one. When waiting on a table, and you drop food off, and a customer asks you for something, you say, I'll be right back with that. And then you get to the table, and they ask you for something else. Nickel and dime you. And then nickel and dime you. <laughs> and you go back to that table five times. Instead of them asking you for all five things, they just ask you for one thing. That is... One of my biggest pet peeves. Because after the third time, I go, okay, what else do you need? Because I'm not, I can't, you're not my only table. <laughs> you, you are my life right now. <laughs> right. So that, that's number one. So my number one is I don't mind working for tips. It usually always averages out. Um, I like to think I give good service to every table. Not everything works out as well as other tables. And obviously, there I have more rapport with some tables than I do than I do with others. But I don't necessarily. I never get upset if someone under tips or, or tips less than than what I anticipated. That show that's more on them than it is on me. What does bother me is when someone digs in their pockets and just grabs their change and leaves that as a tip, like an afterthought of 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 what I did. I'd prefer just to be stiffed. Then to get the 80 cents that's left over in your pocket and then you to walk out. No, only, some of the only times I've ever had a conversation with a customer after they left a tip. Um, and I didn't actually use the word tip involved. I used, I, you know, you know me. I have, I, I can actually be calling you every, I can actually be d d just totally badgering you with a smile on my face and using the right vocabulary that you can't, you can't go to my boss and get me in trouble. And some of the biggest issues I've had with people is is after I see someone and and I vividly remember a a, a family multi generational family so mom and dad son and and stepdaughter at dinner the ladies left the both guys stood up each of them reached in their pockets and grabbed the change that was left in their pockets and left it for a tip on like a fifty five or a sixty dollar and I would have just preferred that they left me no money. And so on the way out, I extra loudly, I said, hey, hope you gentlemen can do better next time. <laughs> nice. When they're, with, when they're with their ladies, when they're with their ladies again, because their ladies had no idea that that's what they had done. So they were caught in a pinch because they really didn't to what they had done because now their ladies were here and they really couldn't complain to the manager because I really didn't say Anything that could really get me in, into a whole lot of trouble, but they knew that I knew that I, they knew that yeah. <laughs> what was what was going on. <laughs> so, 
I rode I rode with Joe across the street on um on Sunday and we were actually talking about this. Um this is my my pet peeve number 2 when I'm when I'm bartending is uh when someone comes up to the bar. Look, if I go to the bar, I know what I want. I know I'm going to order one of three beers. I'm going to order a glass of scotch. I'm going to order some sort of vodka and soda. You know, I've got, I know what I want. It's the person that comes up and says, oh, I don't, you know, what do you have back there? I'm like, seriously? We actually, we actually had this conversation at the bike shop today about, about something else. Because sometimes we get these folks that come in, that come in looking for bicycles that do the same thing. And, and I don't know if you've ever heard me give this response, but it does happen every now and then, especially when things are going a little bit sideways. It's my response is, oh, I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't know you well enough to actually order for you. So if you'd like to look at a menu, you're welcome. You're welcome to, to make your own decision. <laughs> well, I, I'm so glad I'm like out of the industry now. Cause I used to get, oh, what's your favorite drink? Scotch. <laughs> Oh, why don't you just make me your favorite? Okay, but you're not going <laughs> to like it. Why not? Because it's scotch. <laughs> you know, that's what I drink. You know? Yeah, you know? we get that. It doesn't happen very often. That's the best part about bartending is most everyone Yeah, has but a, that's how Joe's, Joe's, Joe's wife, they'll go on vacation. You know, they'll go to like a resort. <laughs> and, you know, he's like, I've got to order a vodka and tonic or I'll order this. And she'll go, oh, what do you got today? She'll end up taking up like, hey, he's got other people. Just order something. <laughs> so that was pet peeve number two. What's yours? I like it. Oh. Well, yeah, you act, that actually covers the. I was going in the in the same direction um, for number two and number three, and then. Um, hmm. I guess. My last pet peeve of 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 the of the customers, like you said, the the nickel and diming or or the asking asking what's good here, you know, when when you work at at the a restaurant, like if you worked at Atlanta Fish Company, and someone asked you what's good here, the fish, <laughs> you got to know it's coming. <laughs> oh, you know, we make an excellent chicken finger. So there's, 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 there's always that. And then, and then there's always, I guess the third one would have to be the customer that just takes it too far. They give them, you give them every opportunity to back down and to leave with some dignity, but instead they just, they just have to be that guy or that girl that pushes you too far. And you finally have to do some, you ha finally have to do something about it. And I know you've seen me there and I've seen you there and it's. It's and and you're just so upset because it didn't have to be this way and and you tried everything you possibly could to not have it go this way and they still chose to go down this road. Um, the only other one I have is and this happened at uh, Lenona's before before I left there. I put together a really nice evening, like a wine dinner. Like Mario asked me to put together like a, a menu and everything. Oh, nice. so I put the I, I basically stole a bunch of stuff from all the places you and I worked. <laughs> <laughs> I put together like a nice wine dinner with like a, a couple different glasses of wine and and like I did the prosciutto 
uh, and goat cheese salad. And I went to the chef. I said, hey, can you, if I, if I give you this, can you pull this off? He's like, oh, absolutely. This is great. This is good stuff, man. I'm like, all right. So I got like 20 or 30 people bought. Like I got like a group that bought it. Wow. Like a singles group decided, oh, yeah, we'll come in and do that. And they knew the menu was set. And then when I started serving the food, they said, no, I didn't, I didn't want prosciutto. I don't want ham. I don't eat ham. I'm like, the menu set. Oh, it was There's on no the changes. menu. It was on the menu. Oh, Just my Just because you don't know what prosciutto is doesn't mean it's my fault. <laughs> they really did that. Yeah. Multiple they were trying the and then like, so then they're like, oh, well, I need to know everything that's on the, the, the next course. Oh, I, I, I can't have it with that. I can't have it. No, the menu's set. It's, we can't just start changing stuff. We've already made the food. Wow. Yep. I don't ever remember it's like, that happening. It's like people trying to like, here's the special for the night. It's, it's a filet with this and that. Oh, I'll have the filet, but put this on the side and I don't want this. No. Nope. There's no nope. substitutes. Nope. <laughs> Either you get the fish or you get the filet. Right. Did you do penny telephono? I might have. <laughs> I might have. <laughs> I might have. I can't remember. I, no, you know what I might have done? I might have done a, a, a pepperdell. Oh, really? I did. I did. I'm like, hey, can you pull this dish off? He's like, how did you come up with that? I'm like, you don't want to know. <laughs> the shrimp, the andouille, the pesto, the pesto <laughs> sauce. The... I wrote down the whole. He's like. How did this is brilliant? How did you come up with this? I'm like, dude, this is all stuff I stole from other restaurants. The the best part of Papardelli al Pesto was the fact that Asian customers at Azio didn't know whether to slurp it like a noodle <laughs> or like eat it like a wonton, like a like a like <laughs> cut it into squares and and try to and try to eat it that way. So they they couldn't quite get down to slurp, but they couldn't they could also couldn't cut it to eat it that way. So for those who don't know, Pepperdell's a very large, flat egg noodle. <laughs> Long, it's like four or five fettuccines laid side by side. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you got any other ones for that? No, that, I, I think that's a good three covers the, uh, thank you, Nick. That's a good question. Uh, Ryan Crab, Crabby, tipping. Should you tip everywhere when there is a line on the receipt for a tip or if there is a tip jar? My answer is no. Uh, I don't always, I don't always, I don't always tip, uh, especially fast casual these days. Um, you know, I might leave a dollar, um, on like 10, 10 or 11. Um, but really it, that's that the tipping to me is more of a full service, um, type of way of making sure that your service is of a quality and of a standard that you're accustomed to. In, in, so. in my opinion, you should only tip a server. Uh, a cab driver and a valet. No hairstylist. Oh, a hairstylist. Yes, that's the one. But usually, I only tip like two dollars. I, I tip like I ten tip, or twelve percent. I don't necessarily tip. I do 20. twenty. Do you? Yeah, you're you're better than I am. I, I don't know. Uh, well, like I don't the the one of the cab. I don't take a lot of cabs. That's the hard one to figure. out. I don't know what you tip there. Um, I'm more about when I tip a cabbie, it's more about their promptness and, and how well they drive and how clean the cab is and, right. and, and that kind of, that kind of deal. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, I can't think of, or a bellboy, you might tip a bellboy a buck or two. 
And right. I only travel with a backpack, so it's not like it's not like he has to. You always like stay at motels, not hotels. <laughs> it's not like he has to carry my bags, my, my bags up, or or when the concierge comes comes running out to try to help me with something, and I come out with my backpack. Oh, you're staying for three days? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I only have a backpack. So. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, last one. Uh, and you'll be able to answer this, and it's probably something I need to do soon because of all the times I've been to the shop. When bringing beer to your shop mechanic, does the quality of the beer reflect your feeling of the service, or is the act of bringing beer appreciated regardless? That'll depend on the people who are working at the bike shop. <laughs> yeah, so if I showed up in Reality Bikes with a 12-pack of Bud Light, that's not going to go over well? Uh, well, you know, it's more appreciative than nothing. Right. Um, but... Uh, well, for us at, the, at our bike shop, we're kind of split among the IPA drinkers and the non-IPA drinkers. Um, but so craft beer. You, yeah, whatever you bring will get drank. Um, but usually um, some of the older staff that we had were only IPAs and only good quality IPAs. And it's hard to guess if you don't know them very well. So usually what we end up getting uh, as our neutral beer is like uh, – Terrapin Recreational Ale uh, that's uh, at Publix, and you get the three extra cans for like fourteen ninety nine. So like the Yingling or the Yingling or the or the or that or even Dale's Pale Ale uh, in the winter in the winter time. I have a hard time with Dale's in the summer. I don't enjoy drinking multiple ones of those. Um, so <clears throat> doesn't have to necessarily be an expensive beer. You know, there's there's been some beers in the past that we've gotten that we just aren't able to drink. Uh, that chalk a lot. Um, sometimes during the holidays, someone will give us get us the some of the chocolate beers, and I can, none of us can do that. So, but um, you know, I'm a PBR drinker. Um, I watched uh, Grand Torino the other night and reminded myself about about <laughs> great movie. A shot, a shot of Jack, a shot of Jack, and a PBR, please, and. and uh, I'm good to go. I'm more bean these days than Jack. Jack's a little sweet. I can't drink Jack Daniels. I, it's just too sweet for me. Oh, it turns my stomach every time I've had it. Yeah, and then um, sometimes I, if I have to drink Jack, like at a wedding or something, I'll cut it with soda. Um, build it, build it tall with soda, and that seems to even it out a little bit. I had Bullet last night at the draft at the fantasy draft. Ooh, it's good. It is good. It's really good. I drink mine with a lot of ice. Not everybody. Some people like with only three or four cubes. I like the whole glass. I like to shake it down all night. Yep. All right. Or all, ten, all ten minutes. I'm sorry. Final. <laughs> <laughs> uh, bet with Bevo. 8-0-2 on the year. Got you a game for tomorrow. So I know it's late, late notice, but New York Red Bulls tomorrow night. Minus one over Houston. I believe it pays minus one twenty-five. Um, so twelve fifty to win ten. Um, I could be off on that number though because I didn't really look at it, but I did see they were favored by a goal. Worst case scenario, it's a push. Push. Houston's lost four out of their last five, and they haven't won in five. It's four losses and a draw. Red Bulls have two draws and three wins. So, who's uh, Houston's best player? You're asking the wrong guy. Oh. Uh, Houston, I believe, is like 7, 11, and 4 on the year. And 
I thought you were the Greek Vendura. My bad. I don't need to know players. I just need to know. I look at records, and that's how I figure it out. I look for the, oh, odd, really? the uneven games. Nice. Bottom of the table versus top of the table. Oh, and I'll apologize to Ryan Krabby on saying offsides instead of offside. I think it was me that says offsides more than than you do. But here's here's the problem: the guy can't be offside on a pass. He's offsides. <coughs> Is that how it works? I was thinking about it when I saw that comment. So the player's offside. The player that is used properly, but you can't say Joseph Martinez is offside. He's offsides, plural. Yes. I think we're gonna have to get the. Um, I'm gonna have to record this. the next game the audio when somebody's offside. <laughs> well, we might need we might need the uh, the master state champion to come in and uh, and uh, referee that. Maybe or or is it referees? <laughs> 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 All right. Um, anything else? We did make this over an hour. I couldn't believe it. Is it an hour? It an hour and five. Well, the, the questions were really, really, really good. Yes. Um, anything else? No, that's all I got. Okay. We'll probably uh, we'll probably maybe do – we won't do one next week with Labor Day. Uh, we'll probably do one the week after. <clears throat> Sounds so. good. All right. Episode oh, – oh, oh. Last minute question. Last minute question, dude. Scott Patton getting in just now. One minute. It's been on the books for one minute now. Where were all the Atlanta-based riders in Chattanooga this weekend? They were recovering from the three races they did in Atlanta last weekend. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be it my is, guess. It is a. Uh, it's always a good question. Um, uh, you know, uh, River Gorge has been going on for quite a while. It's a, a pretty challenging course. Um, I know Scott put in a 14-hour day or something like that. Yeah, the, uh, unfortunately, officiating those days can be can be super long. And um, my feeling is, you know, it's not it's not Atlanta's job to necessarily bail out Savannah when they race bicycles. It's not Atlanta's job to to bail out Pensacola or Mobile or Birmingham. Um, you know, the idea is for some of the Atlanta folks to go up, which I'm sure there was a decent representation. Um, probably not as many as some, as the promoter wanted, but, and then, and then those areas really need to work on their, on their riding on the people in their area uh, for the racers. So, um you know, I have I have mixed feelings. I, I you know, trying to travel and support and to support folks, um, but then and then we do have a lot of racing in the Atlanta area over the over the fall this year, so it's tough. All right, that does it for episode fifty three. Um, if you want to follow us on social media on Twitter, we're at Barman the letter N Bevo Pod. Uh, at underscore Coach Barman at Bevo8771. On Facebook, Michael Barman, Michael Vandura, and Barman and Bevo Podcast. You can listen to all of our episodes on iTunes, Google Play, uh, what's the other? Podbean, Stitcher. Um, we've got our website, barmanandbevo.podbean.com. All of our episodes are there. Uh, we appreciate all the questions for Ask Barman and Bevo Anything. 
Um, we seem to be getting three or four or five every week, which is great. It makes the show more entertaining. It's my wife's favorite segment. Um, you know, so keep keep those coming in if you listen. You know, we've got a standard four or five. You know, Chuck was the new one tonight. Scott typically doesn't get in on the questions. He got one in late. Brick Dangerblade got Add one in buzzer. last week. Um, Add the buzzer. Yeah, I mean, so we love hearing the questions. Anything you want to ask us about ourselves, about the podcast, about working together or a friendship, um, anything, you know, conspiracy theories, <laughs> fantasy football advice. There was a new episode of Ancient Aliens I didn't catch the other day I saw. <laughs> I, I just have decided not to watch it because it's too much. <laughs> it, it would just spiral me into a rabbit hole. <laughs> wow. Um, all right. So episode 53 is in the books. Thank you for listening. We'll be back here again with you sometime in the next two weeks. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Anything can happen in a moment. Memories all the way all is on And we talked about forever And you told me you could never plan that for ahead How about today instead? You're the one that first called me a dreamer I guess I kinda hope the dreams come true and I was lost inside feeling When my arms, my heart, my soul They all held all to you All, all to you And if you hold I watched you roll a cigarette I had this feeling this was one night I might never, never forget You told me no one really sees you beneath your beauty There is pain When you spoke, it was as lovely as Milano the rain You said your town was up past Como And it was known for artists who could create the type of things that people buy and hold on to I asked you if your favorite part of the day was sunrise or sunset You just smiled and kissed me instead Where my arms